Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Uh, now we're going to be talking about Chapter 5 of Mormon, Book of Mormon, Chapter 5. Now, Mormon is going to decide here to go uh, to lead the Nephites one last time. And uh, this is going to be sometime between 375 and 384 uh, A.D. Um, and so let's see what happens here. Verse 1. And it came to pass that I did go forth among the Nephites and did repent of the oath which I had made that I would no more assist them. And they gave me command again of their armies, for they looked upon me as though I could deliver them from their afflictions. But behold, I was without hope. In other words, he's without hope in Christ because of their wickedness. For I knew the judgments of the Lord which should come upon them, for they repented not of their iniquities, but did struggle for their lives without calling upon that being who created them. And it came to pass that the Lamanites did come against us as we had fled to the city of Jordan. But behold, they were driven back that they did not take the city at that time. And it came to pass that they came against us again, and we did maintain the city. And there were also other cities which were maintained by the Nephites, which strongholds did cut them off, that they could not get into the country which lay before us to destroy the inhabitants of our land. But it came to pass that whatsoever lands we had passed by, and the inhabitants thereof were not gathered in, were destroyed by the Lamanites, and their towns and villages and cities were burned with fire, and thus three hundred and seventy and nine years passed away. And it came to pass in the three hundred and eightieth year the Lamanites did come again against us to battle, and we did stand against them boldly, but it was in all in vain, for so great were their numbers that they did tread the people of the Nephites under their feet. And it came to pass that we did again take to flight, and those whose flight was swifter than the Lamanites did escape. And those whose flight did not exceed the Lamanites were swept down and destroyed. And now, behold, I, Mormon, do not desire to harrow up the souls of men in casting before them such an awful scene of blood and carnage as was laid before mine eyes, but I, knowing that these things must surely be made known, and that all things which are hid must be revealed upon the housetops. <clears throat> Mormon tells us he purposely did not record all the detail of the blood and carnage of those terrible years, this in order to prevent the latter-day readers from having an un unnecessary and soul-troubling view of it all. His statement that all things must be revealed has a dual meaning. Several scriptural passages testify that at the judgment all deeds, words, thoughts, and intents of the heart, both righteous and wicked, will be revealed, will be shouted from the housetops, as it were, for all to know. Undoubtedly, Mormon had this doctrinal concept in mind as he spoke of the wickedness of his own civilization. But examining the context of this statement leads one to believe that Mormon may have also been referring to another more specific way in which the fuller record of the Nephites would be revealed. In the next several verses, we read of the knowledge of his people that will come forth because of his record. Throughout his record, Mormon speaks of other records or accounts, even another set of plates that contain additional information, and a more history part of the people. Being familiar with the prophecies of those holy men who had preceded him, Mormon was probably also referring to the coming forth of those records that were sealed. As this record, which is sealed by the power of God, comes to light in the last days, all the workings of God will be revealed, and the deeds and destructions of the Nephites and the Lamanites, which Mormon could not describe, will indeed be revealed upon the housetops. And that was by Millet McConkie. So now here's a purpose of the Book of Mormon, verse 9, and also that a knowledge of these things 
must come unto the remnant of these people, and also unto the Gentiles, who the Lord hath said should scatter his people, and this people should be counted as not among them. Therefore I write a small abridgment, daring not to give a full account of the things which I have seen, because of the commandments which I have received, and also that ye might not have too great sorrow because of the wickedness of this people. And now behold, this I speak unto their seed, and also to the Gentiles who have care for the house of Israel, that realize and know from whence their blessings come. For I know that such will sorrow for the calamity of the house of Israel, yea, they will sorrow for the destruction of this people. They will sorrow that this people had not repented, that they might have been clasped in the arms of Jesus. Now these things are written unto the remnant of the house of Jacob, and they are written after this manner, because it is known of God that wickedness will not bring them forth unto them, and they are, in, they are to be hid up unto the Lord, that they may come forth in his own due time. And this is the commandment which I have received, and behold, they shall come forth according to the commandment of the Lord, when he shall see fit in his wisdom. And behold, they, meaning the words of the Book of Mormon, shall go unto the unbelieving of the Jews, and for this intent shall they go, that they may be persuaded that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that the Father may bring about through his beloved his great and eternal purpose in restoring the Jews, or all the house of Israel, to the land of their inheritance, which the Lord their God hath given them unto the fulfilling of his covenant, and also that the seed of this people may more fully believe his gospel, which shall go forth unto them from the Gentiles. For this people shall be scattered, and shall become a dark, a filthy, and a loathsome people, beyond the description of that which ever hath been amongst us. Yea, even that which hath been among the Lamanites, and this because of their unbelief and idolatry. In a special way, the Book of Mormon was written to the Lamanites, the descendants of Lehi, as a major tool to restore them to Christ. It seems that the righteous Nephite prophets, knowing the destruction of their own people, wrote with special feelings to the future Lamanites. Mormon in his final chapter said, And now, behold, I would speak somewhat unto the remnant of this people who are spared. And Moroni in, in his last chapter said, Now I, Moroni, write somewhat as seemeth me good, and I write unto my brethren, the Lamanites. We have to keep in mind, too, that uh, after Jesus' um, ministry among the Nephites, that all those who were descendants of Laman and Lemuel and descendants of Nephi and Sam all intermingled. And so even though we may be talking about Lamanites here, he's also talking about descendants of Nephi as well. So that's not a, a pure race of Nephites versus Lamanites. They're all mixed up. So there could even be Nephites among this group that he's talking about or descendants of Nephi. In 1829, about a year before the publication of the Book of Mormon, the Lord spake, spoke plainly to Joseph Smith after the 116 pages of manuscript had been lost. While reproving young Joseph, the Lord impressed upon him the sacred nature or the sacred character and purpose of the Book of Mormon, and hence the great importance of his work. Nevertheless, my work shall go forth, for inasmuch as the knowledge of a Savior has come unto the world through the testimony of the Jews, even so shall the knowledge of a Savior come unto my people, and to the Nephites, and the Jacobites, and the Josephites, and the Zoramites, through the testimony of their fathers. And this testimony shall come to the knowledge of the Lamanites, and the Lemuelites, and the Ishmaelites, who dwindled in unbelief because of the iniquities of their fathers, whom the Lord has suffered to destroy their brethren the Nephites because of their wickedness and abominations. And for this very purpose are these plates preserved, which contain these records, that the promises of the Lord might be fulfilled, which he made to his people, and that the Lamanites might come to a knowledge of their fathers. The Book of Mormon 
was written to all the world as another testament of Jesus Christ. In a special way, however, it was written and preserved to restore the Lamanites to the knowledge and testimony of Christ once had by their fathers, and also to convince the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. That was by Rex Reeve. Verse 16, For behold, the Spirit of the Lord hath already ceased to strive with their fathers, and they are without Christ and God in the world, and they are driven about as chaff before the wind. These chapters are evidence of what it would be like to live in the world without the benefit of Jesus Christ. Joseph Fielding Smith said, Now the Lord has withdrawn his spirit from the world. Now do not let this thought become confused in your minds. The spirit he has withdrawn from the world is not the Holy Ghost, for they never had that. But it is the light of truth, the spirit of Christ, which is given to every man that comes into this world, as you find it so recorded in the 84th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, because of the wickedness of the world, that spirit has been withdrawn. And when the spirit of the Lord is not striving with men, the spirit of Satan is. Therefore, we may be sure that the time has come spoken of in the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, wherein the Lord says, For I am no respecter of persons, and will that all men shall know that the day speedily cometh. The hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand, when peace shall be taken from the earth, and the devil shall have power over his own dominion. Peace has been taken from the earth, the devil has power over his dominion, and the spirit of the Lord has been withdrawn, not because the Lord desires to withdraw that spirit, but because of the wickedness of mankind, it becomes necessary that this spirit of the Lord be withdrawn. Now that's not a universal thing that the spirit's been withdrawn, but with a lot of people it is, individually speaking. Verse 17, they were once a delightsome people, and they had Christ for their shepherd. Yea, they were led even by God the Father. But now, behold, they are led about by Satan, even as chaff is driven before the wind, or as a vessel is tossed about upon the waves, without sail or anchor, or without anything wherewith to steer her, and even as she is, so are they. And behold, the Lord hath reserved their blessings, which they might have received in the land, for the Gentiles who shall possess the land. But behold, it shall come to pass that they shall be driven and scattered by the Gentiles. President Kimball said, Perhaps of all prophecies ever made, none have been fulfilled more literally and more intensely and more devastatingly than this one from Mormon. And what a tragic and literal fulfillment those scriptures had. The story of the Cherokees would melt the stoniest heart, driven at the point of a bayonet from their homes and lands, evicted from their country and sent to the swampy mosquito-ridden area of Indian territory. The prejudiced historian again said that the Indians were the culprits. Their suffering and death means little. Their homes and gardens and farms were expropriated. The white heroes evicted and expropriated for their own use at the point of bayonets the lands of the red demons. We follow the Navajos from their exquisitely beautiful red sandstone lands of northeastern Arizona in their long, pitiful, painful march to central New Mexico, to Bosque Redondo on the Pecos River. We suffer and starve and freeze with them in the lonely four years and then walk with them back to their homeland after signing their treaties. In recent times, our attention was arrested by a double-page picture in Life magazine. It is the dead of winter, plodding across the thousands of square miles of deep snow and the wind-scoured stubbly plain. Two Indian women on their horses make a new deep trail through the snow. It is good that their horses can break trail. It is good that their warm skirts are long to, to their ankles. It is good that their blankets cover them well and their scarves cover their heads and faces, for the wind is bitter and the cold intense and the way is long. Thank goodness they have a sense of direction, for if the horses failed, never would they be found alive. They have left in their, in their hogans their children so they might find food for their families. Their wagon is under a tree, a solitary tree, frozen sheep are here and they're half covered in the snow. 
That frozen one that the boy is dragging is one of over half a million sheep, goats, and cattle that were stranded with no food save from that from a lucky drop. They will have food for a few days, but soon the carcasses will be spoiled beyond eating. Why do I return to a rehearsal of the indignities against the Indian? The answer is that we have a debt to pay. We are deeply indebted, and we shall never have liquidated that debt until we shall have done all in our power to rebuild the Indian and give him back the opportunities that are possible for, uh, for us to give him. Continuing verse 20, And after they have been driven and scattered by the Gentiles, behold, then will the Lord remember the covenant which he made unto Abraham and unto all the house of Israel. Elder McConkie said, Our case study now turns to the day of, the, of Lamanite gathering, the long night of apostate darkness that left the remnants of Lehi's seed in their low and fallen and loathsome state is drawing to an end. Already the rays of gospel light are rising in the eastern sky and the day of gathering is dawning. Lamanites in the United States and Canada, in Mexico and Central America, and in the various nations of South America, together with the Lamanites in the islands of the South Pacific, whom we call Polynesians, all these are coming back one by one as the divine decree requires. And when the day has fully dawned, as soon it must, they will be a glorious people indeed. Indeed, that day, the day of the Lamanite, shall dawn before the second coming. Its arrival will be one of the signs of the times, and all those who can read the promised signs will thereby know that the coming of the Lord is nigh at hand. Pending that day, the Lord's command to, the, to his people is, Be not deceived, but continue in steadfastness, looking forth for the heavens to be shaken, and the earth to tremble, and to reel to and fro as a drunken man, and for the valleys to be exalted, and for the mountains to be made low, and for the rough places to become smooth, and all this when the angel shall sound his trumpet, having so announced, the Lord then relates all this to the gathering of Israel, including the Lamanite gathering. But before the great day of the Lord shall come, he says, Jacob shall flourish in the wilderness, and the Lamanites shall blossom as the rose. Zion shall flourish upon the hills and rejoice upon the mountains, and shall, shall be assembled together unto the place which I have appointed. That was Doctrine and Covenants, section 49. Verse 21. And also the Lord will remember the prayers of the righteous which have been put up unto him for them. And then, O ye Gentiles, how can ye stand before the power of God, except ye shall repent and turn from your evil ways? Know ye not that ye are in the hands of God? Know ye not that he hath all power, and at his great command the earth shall be rolled together as a scroll? Therefore repent ye, and humble yourselves before him, lest he shall come out in justice against you, lest a remnant of the seed of Jacob shall go, shall go forth among you as a lion." and tear you in pieces, and and there is none to deliver. I bear testimony that these things are true, that as we look forward to the the gathering of Israel in our day and uh, those things that precede the second coming, I bear testimony that we need to be watchful uh, for these signs to occur. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.